Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. I'm Benjamin Halden. On today's episode, we have a former plumber, an IFBB pro, an athlete who has been at the top of the game for over 10 years and won multiple international titles and is also a newly father. Ryan Terry is at the top of his game. We go right into dealing with body dysmorphia, confidence, a winner's mindset, newly being a father and how he thinks his son is going to grow up. We are still in Germany podcast at the moment. We are at FIBO and this episode is kindly sponsored by MyProtein. Today we have the crispy layered bars. Now, yesterday when we were on the stand, you know how sometimes protein bars, you're chewing for about half an hour and you get really bad jaw ache. These don't do that to you. They are absolutely delicious and we have a discount code for you for MyProtein as well. We also today have the clear whey protein and we also have the vegan clear whey protein so if you're mm. someone who is looking to up your protein intake you know that you do not get enough then either try one of the bars or the clear whey especially if you're one of those people who doesn't like milkshakes or, or the texture of milk. milkshakes then these are great it tastes like fruit juice literally that you'll add to water that will increase your protein intake that you can sip on pre post during a workout to help you increase your protein intake for the day the code is not so fit and you can get some hella discount off my protein. Today's episode with Ryan is really special because he opens up about things he has never, ever, ever spoken about. They're really deep. We nearly had a few tears out of Ryan as well. Make sure you listen all the way through this episode, guys. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling this morning? Apart from being overly tired. Shall I tell you the truth or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm feeling good. Feel okay. You still look good though. Thank you. Are you, yeah. are you any more attracted about being inclined to, to question my sexuality? Okay. What is it? The jawline? Is it the hair? It's a bit of everything there, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's a the complex? What is the cost of being a winner? Whew, we're getting straight into it then, are we? Yeah, we dive right in. Okay. Um, sacrifice, um, determination, consistency. Um, they're the, the three factors that I've implemented in my life from a very young age. And it's something, if any of those three waver, the effects show and you're not at the top. Do you ever sit back and enjoy the wins or is it, okay, you've done the work, won the thing, and then on to the next one? Um, I think in the moment you enjoy it. And I know a lot of people say you need to enjoy these moments more and... Uh, take it all in and, and yeah, reap th that feeling for longer. Um, but it's very hard as a competitor when you have an end goal, these smaller goals, i.e. winning smaller shows, so to speak, or smaller achievements um, are just a stepping stone. So I enjoy it for the moment and then I get back on it because I know I've still got work to do and I know the, the end goal is, is still far away. With the word sacrifice, because it's it has like a lot, it has quite a few negative connotations. Yeah. If you go back to more so growing up in your younger self, I don't know if you've seen the film King Richard no. with Venus and Serena Williams. 
their kind of upbringing from the age of 10, 11 has been quite strict parenting. Yes. You have to do this. Same as Tiger Woods. Yeah. Very, very obsessive. In, obsessive. Mm. And that's why they are the, the best yeah. at what they do. Yeah. Did you have a similar upbringing? Yeah, 100%. Not in, in the role of um, parenting, mm. um, but people around me were very influential and very competitive. So I was raised with uh, an older brother and older sister who, again, two, three years older than me, they were very competitive, very sports sports orientated. So from a young age, we were always competitive with each other uh, growing up. And I, I was a, a bit above my years because I was hanging around with their friends yeah. and hanging at their football teams and stuff like that. So that was instilled in me, but we were put into a school. We were actually taken out of a school from um, my mom into a a more academic competitive school, should we say. Still a, a public school, but the head teacher, um, his name was Mr. Flint. And I'll always remember him because he was, there was no such thing as coming second and you're either a, a winner or a loser. Uh, he taught you to to win well and lose well as, as well. So I, I do respect him for that. But at the same time, it was when we were swimming for nationals, he'd take us out of geography, maths, English to go down to the swimming, uh, swimming baths and just train for hours. He was um, football. If we had a like a big championship come up a final, we were the best in Nottinghamshire. We, um, yeah, we'd like, we're allowed to skip school and train and train and train. So yeah, from that, from that early age, we were, we were taught to, to be very competitive. Yeah. And you've been taught to be able to lose because one of the yes. things that I, I dislike and I openly say, I don't, and I was the same. I was like first, first, second or third, or second, third. Not as, yeah. We, we were the same in yeah, my parenting. Yeah. And then they introduced like 10th place ribbons or yeah. sixth place and, I never agreed with that. And I, just, no. I just think now, like, oh, if my kid comes 10th, I'm like, well, you didn't win. But what, not in like a horrible way, <laughs> no, no, but just in I terms agree. of it's absolutely fine to lose. Yeah. Don't be a sore loser. Yeah. But what is your opinion on those? So I've had that battle actually with my wife just recently. So I've got a two-year-old son mm. and he was in a nurse for only two days a week. But again, it was very, it's all about taking part. There's no winners mm. or losers. And I was like, but how is that like addressing or uh, what's the, what's the word is, is preparing my son for real life because mm. there is the hardships of real life and, and there is winning and losing and he needs to know how to to deal with both mm. and at such a young age I think it's important to instill that so I looked around and I've, I've swapped him schools to a, to a private school which is very heavy sports mm. he's an outdoor kid that's what he loves doing anyway so it was more orientated and fitted with his lifestyle anyway but again they're taught to lose gracefully and to win gracefully and I think that's really important in life yeah mm. I think Part of that is super important. Like, as you just mentioned there, I think if you, if you never experience losing in any capacity, then when you get to those, like we spoke about before, periods in life where you lose a loved one, you lose a job, yeah. you're financially yeah. struggling, yeah, like real things happen in life and you've never experienced losing before. Also, from probably the competitions that you've done, whether it be in sport or bodybuilding, whatever it is, I know mm. that we've been the same. How much more do you think you've learned in that process of losing versus you've learned in the process of winning? 100% more. I think that's so important when they say about you, yeah, you learn more from losing and picking yourself back up mm. and going again than from winning. And if you, if you win every time, where's the hardship or where's the, yeah, where's the learning from that? Uh, and it becomes too easy. So mm. yeah, it's, it's difficult and it's really hard to, especially when you're a competitor and you want to be number one constantly. And mm. once you have that feeling, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have both felt it at some point in your life where once you get that, you just, you want it all the time. You start chasing it and and yeah, it, it, you come down even harder when you don't get it or the results don't go your way. But what truly makes you 
good at what you do is, is coming back from it and, and improving from it. And as long as you are improving and keeping going forward, that's, that's mm. you're winning in life, aren't you? We spoke about this before from a psychological perspective that pain is a, or can be a bigger driver than like the cheese at the end of the, the line, like the trophy. So having yeah. those pains from losses is big. Yeah. Tiger that's, Woods, his, his dad, tr like, would treat him like a prisoner of war camp yeah. and, mm. and use those techniques on him. And he was always a child prodigy who grew up with golf. Mm. You broke into fitness a little bit later, didn't you? So it wasn't yeah. like you were prepped to 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 drive forward in the fitness industry. Yeah. Talk us a little bit yeah, through so, that and the, and the age you got into it. Yeah, so so just a bit of background for me. So I started in football, swimming and gymnastics. So they were my core three growing up. Were you a big swimmer? I love swimming, yeah. So I was uh, front crawl and uh, butterfly relay racing. So probably not at your level, but yeah, I used to- so You had a built physique from swimming there as well? Yeah, so I had the foundations there, but I wasn't built to be a swimmer. So I was never gonna make it at a professional level. Mm. I, I swam at Ponds Forge and national level, but there was only a ceiling height for me. I was never gonna, and I knew that. Mm -hmm. uh, football was my main drive anyway. But as I came into my teenage years, so when I was, it was 14, and I remember what it was, it was 14 and I basically started to get a bit more self-conscious about the way I looked. Mm -hmm. It was, I was a very greedy kid. I was very sport, like I did all sports going, but I, I could eat. And uh, I was a bit chunky around the edges and stuff like that. But it never hindered me in sports. But when girls come on the scene and you're getting of an age where it's so popular, the mm -hmm. way you look, mm -hmm. then it really did hit me hard. Um, and when I was 14, yeah, I got a real, real bad self, uh, self-confidence issues, complex about the way I looked. Um, and at the time, my stepdad was um, uh, Mr. Britain in, in the open class. So really? super heavy, oh, yeah, wow. super heavyweight. Yeah. And he owned a Backstreet uh, Spit and Sawdust bodybuilding gym. And yeah, I just asked for his help. I said, like, can I come down to the gym and, and sort myself out? And Age 14. 14, yeah. And they literally threw me in at the deep end. Like I was in with these guys and they literally, <laughs> yeah, brutalized me should we say um and i just fell in love with it and because i changed so quick my physique, physique started to change so quick they uh, showed me a bit about nutrition i had no clue about nutrition so all these factors from a young age when i started to change it started to build my self-confidence and then that's when i became obsessed and addicted and it was only was it six seven years on from then when i was missing that competitive side i was training every day i was religiously um getting my meals in. And it just came to a point where I'd started real life at 16, apprenticeships, I had three mm -hmm. jobs when I was 16. And it, it came to a point where I still need to fulfill that that itch, which is the competitive side of, of what what I was growing up around. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, so, and I was watching all these bodybuilders around me. I was so inspired by their work ethic, their consistency, just their way of life. Um, and I was never, I never wanted to look like a bodybuilder, but I, I was always inspired by the way, um, yeah, the way they trained and, and the way they lived their life. So I wanted to just try it just once and then, yeah, I never looked back really. So I didn't actually tell anybody I was doing my first show. I was, uh, I started dieting down. I picked what I thought was just a local regional show closest to me, which is Leamington Spa. That was the closest. And I dieted down and the day before I signed up and nobody knew I was doing it. Um, why, and I was, why didn't you tell anyone? Because I, I wanted to fail safe because I didn't think I was going to do it, yeah. if I'm honest, because me taking my top off in front of people was probably the worst thing I would ever, because of these self-confidence issues, I trained for me, I never trained for anybody else. So I never thought I would actually stand on stage in front of a room full of people with my top off. But I just thought I want to face that fear, address it, say I've done it and then walk away. Um, and I remember I was so, so like nervously ill, like backstage. <laughs> I was like, why am I doing it? What am I doing? And 
my coach at the time, because he, he knew about it, he, he came into a cubicle, I was hiding in a cubicle, and he's like, what are you doing, Ryan? I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so funny, because I walked out on the side of the stage, and just something came over me, like an alter ego. And I don't, I can, I don't know what it is, and it happens every time um, when I step on stage. I'm still that nervous boy backstage. And then as soon as the lights hit you and you get on stage, I don't know, I just, I become, yeah, my alter ego. And I just became somebody else. And yeah, when I won it, the best feeling ever. It's crazy. I didn't know that you'd also felt that way in terms of the spotlights. But yeah, that, that trait of you feeling nervous to take your top off, self-conscious, do you think that trait still lives within you now? Yeah, probably. Because if you look at the way I dress and stuff, I probably subconsciously, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not someone who struggles in the mirror, and I'm I'm okay with off season. I'm okay eating normal food, and I've have an amazing family, and that never affects us in any way. You know, we've eaten out mm. socially and all that kind of stuff. But I'm a guy who still trains in hoodies. Um, I'm not someone who ever trains in like vests and and shows his physique off in a mirror. And actually me and a guy I was talking about last night saying, God, if I had your physique, why aren't you walking around in a vest? And I had this baggy t-shirt on. I was like, because I don't do it for a credit in a mirror or for anybody else to, to see. I do it for, because I enjoy it and I love what I do. So I don't need to see it in the mirror. Um, and yeah, like I said, I've always dressed like this, just over, oversized mm -hmm. stuff. But It sounds really similar. I don't know if you've heard of it, but the iceberg theory. Okay. Where... Obviously, you have an iceberg in water. It's also yeah. called the theory of emission. Okay. And you can see a tiny, tiny little bit on top, and then you see all of it underneath. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people would even know that about you. Like, not yeah. in any sense from maybe looking at your social media yeah. or how you are as a person, but there's so much that goes into being that 1% of really successful people. Yeah. Why, after that first show, did you did you carry on? Was it just the absolute, like, obsession and, yeah. Yeah. and desire? Yeah. So I'll be honest, actually, it wasn't. It was what we touched on earlier. It's because I actually came second by one point oh. uh, and it was basically the world number one and he was my idol. So he was on all the front covers. His name was Rob Richards. Remember and Rob he, Richards? Remember Rob yeah, Richards, yeah. yeah. So he was an ON athlete. He was yeah. muscle and fitness front cover model every year. And he was an English guy who made it in America and he was a superstar. And I, I remember seeing him thinking, oh, I'd love to meet him one day. Like, cause I'd read all his magazine, like all his articles. And he announced he was coming back to take over the UK because he was world number one in America. He wanted to come back and take over the UK's home soil. And I thought, what better way to meet your idol by stepping on stage yeah. next to him instead of queuing for hours at an expo? Mm -hmm. So I did it. And then, yeah, I came second by a stupid thing where they said it was my, my tan wasn't good. And, and on stage, because I was in awe of him, I gave him the win, like, because I was looking at him constantly. Mm -hmm. listening, oh, and he was so confident. And I was like hitting my pose, but I was thinking, is, am I doing this right compared yeah. to this guy? And then, yeah, I handed it to him. So that, oh, resonated so hard. As soon as I left stage, I, was like, I gave him that. That was mine to win, and that was silly of me. So I had a point to prove to everybody and to myself. And yeah. How old were you at that age? I was 19 at that age, I think. So you've been training for five years, and then did yeah. your first comp. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. But it was funny because, yeah, three months later, I went against him, and I beat him then, and then he yeah, never spoke to me after that. <laughs> <laughs> my idol never spoke to me. Don't be like that. Say, don't, don't meet your idols. I know. Very true, actually. Very true. The the reason why we spoke about sacrifice before and people like Michael Jordan, yeah, uh, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, is because all these people have to make these sacrifices they mm -hmm. go through the way. Um, MJ is one of those people that in basketball would not socialize with the team. Yeah, He'd yeah. shut off from the team. He didn't want to be a, a friend of theirs. He, yeah, he yeah. thought by by doing that kind of thing that he would be able to... They all despised the him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and kind of 
I suppose Creighton himself is like this this figure in basketball, which is really mm. looked up to him to like a godlike sense. Yeah. Um, and he he said, "I wish I could have laid back and enjoyed it as yeah. much as everybody else, but that didn't guarantee success." Yeah. Agreed. Do you enjoy the journey that you're on, and do you feel fulfilled with what you've achieved, or is there still an itch that needs to be scratched? Yeah. So it's really hard because I'm I'm proud of what I've achieved. Um, because I. Everything I've set out to do in life through competing and in my career, I've achieved so far except one, which is obviously Olympia. Um, and although I, you say I've, I've sacrificed a lot, a lot of people said to me, you, you, to be at the top, you have to step, step on people, you have to be callous, cold, brutal, all these, all these traits, which I've, I'm not. I've never been like that. And I never believe. I don't know, there was something telling me that I wanted to show you could do it without being like that. And I'd like to pride myself in thinking that I have done that. So I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve, but in a way where I've enjoyed the process. Yes, I can't say it's I've done it selflessly because there are sacrifices with family and, and things I've had to do, but I've always tried to make up for that. So yes, I have to eat, sleep, train methodically, obsessively, and that all has to come first. But the moment I step off stage or I've always made time for my family, obviously my wife, my kids, all that kind of stuff. And I wanted to give them a life that I never had. Mm. And that's what I'm proud of because I didn't go without when I was younger. I'm not going to say I was living on the streets or anything like that, but I, I didn't have the the finer things like a mm. lot of people had around me. Um, and we always had, because it was three of us, mom, uh, single mum, we just got by with, with what we needed. Um, and I just said, I know that was a big driving force for me thinking, not that I don't want my son for that, because again, it, it, raised me to who I am and I'm mm -hmm. proud of who I am, but I'd love to be able to give him some of the things that I could never have. Um, and that's kind of what drives me still. In terms of traits, what you said there, so there's three really prominent traits of successful athletes. So you've got self-discipline, yeah. acceptance of criticism, and then also like poise under stress. Yeah. With bodybuilding, the criticism one really stands out to me because it's so subjective. You're being yeah. judged on your appearance. Yeah. I've never done it and I never would for that exact reason. Yeah. I think that's a very, very hard thing to deal with. 100%. And you've done it for a really long time. Mm. How do you deal with people criticizing what you look like? Yeah. And if it's a really hard hit and then just going and going and going. So there's one thing I will tell you about bodybuilding. There's not one person who steps on stage who doesn't have a backstory about self-confidence or the way they look or a certain type of upbringing where it is about the way you look mm. or the way you feel or how you fit into society. It, 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 there's a lot of good things about bodybuilding, but there's a lot of things that's not talked about. And and that's one of them. Um, and to go up there to be shot at can be brutal. So you have to be able to take the criticism, go away with it and be your own worst critique. So look in the mirror and say, were they right about that? Because like you say, every, it's so subjective and what somebody likes, might, somebody else might not or mm. um, and vice versa. So. You just have to be able to deal with it the best way you can and just know you've got to be the best version of you judged by you. You've got to follow a certain criteria, but early on I used to speak to people and say, yes, get judges' feedback and sit and see where you're going wrong or whatever, but don't get obsessed with that because you'll be constantly chasing something what you're never going to achieve. Just be the best version of you and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. That's one person's um, opinion on you. You you make your own opinion. You get that physique you desire and want. And if that makes you happy, keep going towards that. Because everyone used to say to me, 
why don't you have two years off and just grow, get massive? And then that's why you're not losing, because they always say about my size, you're mm -hmm. never going to win because of your size. But if I do that, it goes away from why I started training, mm -hmm. why I love the sport, yeah, why I get up and do what I do day to day. So, and I tried it. I did it in 2017 where I had a year out, I force fed, I was feeding through the night, setting my alarm, having mass gainers. Every time I went to the toilet, I'd be necking a mass gainer, which was, yeah, some some things yeah. you just think ludicrous looking back. But I'd lost the enjoyment and it became unhealthy. Mm. And I think that's why I'd like to say I've, I've done it for so long. I still enjoy it even to this day. I've been competing, yeah, well, 15 years or something. But I'm yeah. still, still hanging still on in there. <laughs> but I enjoy it. And the moment I don't, I would step away. Mm. And because I, I don't need this for like like a financial thing or I don't need it for gratitude or for validation. For pat, yeah, that's what, yeah, for, for a pat on the back. I just do this because I enjoy it so much. Has there any, ever been criticism that's really just completely knocked your confidence? Like something from maybe a specific judge or they said something you thought, fuck. So yeah, there's, there's a story behind this, which um, I'm glad it came out on, the, on top with it. But so when I turned pro, I just won the Arnold Classic. I was the best in the UK, just won uh, the Arnold Classic in Europe. So I was the best in Europe and number one. And I was going over to the States to take over America. And I was like, here we go, we're having this. And um, I went straight into this first show and it was Culver City, LA. And um, there was about 40 of us in the lineup. And there was a couple of masters, which is over <coughs> over 45s. And um, good athletes and whatever, but when we came out, they were comparing everyone and they didn't compare me to anything. So they didn't shout my number out once. So everyone should get a comparison. Everyone should come out and, mm -hmm. and show. They left me at the sideline and it was so embarrassing and humiliating because people in the crowd were even shouting number 40, like number 40. They didn't even know my name over there, but they were shouting, why are you not calling him out? So they were, even they were like thinking, why is he not being where, called where was out? This, where was the show, sorry? Just in Culver City, LA. So just up from Venice mm -hmm. Beach. And then, um, so yes, yeah, so I came dead last, didn't even place. And... I, um, I went up to the, I was leaving and uh, my, my coach said to me, why don't you go and speak to the judge and just see what went wrong? What have we done wrong? Because you need to know because it's mm -hmm. going to eat you up inside. So I went in and, and I spoke to him and he, he just looked me up and down. In any other situation, I'd probably lamped him. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just wouldn't say that to a human being. Yeah. But he was just like, look, he went, this just doesn't work over here. None of it. Just, it won't work here. As in over and in America. Was, yeah. And I went, what do you mean? Like present, like presentation or tan or, or what? He just went, no, this physique just won't work here. And just worked, like turned away from it. I was like, you know, you just completely gobsmacked, brutalized. I'm yeah, thinking, rude. What do I do? Uh, so I walked off and I was walking to In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> <laughs> I need a burger. Console. And this, this guy ran over to me um, and he said, Ryan, Ryan, he said, don't get disheartened. He said, um, this is a very subjective uh, show, shall mm -hmm. we say. He said, uh, go to the West Coast. Uh, uh, sorry, go to the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. He said, go to the East Coast, compete over there. And I, he said, honestly, you, you'll do phenomenally well. He said, just please don't get deterred. And he didn't have to do that. He didn't mm -hmm. know me. He was just a randomer. And um, yeah, and that's what I did three months later. And it really hit me hard. I was We sat in and out burger, I had a bit of a cry because I was thinking, what, what mm -hmm. do I do now? Like, this is This is over now. Uh, back to my plumbing days um and then yeah three months later we thought we'll have one go on the east coast see what and then yeah i won that show won the show after won the show after and went straight to olympia my first year and wow. it was crazy yeah that same guy messaged me uh, the guy who said this doesn't work over here it's quite high up now actually he messaged me um probably about two years ago three years ago hey ryan love your physique love what you're about we'd love you to compete in our shows because he owns a load of shows 
Um, you, you're perfect for what we want and all these kind of, how was that? Like, did, did you send in the middle finger emoji? <laughs> I was, it was close, yeah. but I thought that's not me. I better not. I better uh, just, yeah, say thank you. But I never did. Yeah. Uh, but what comes around goes around. That's crazy. political yeah. that though, isn't it? Like, yeah, you didn't have a clue. Yeah, didn't have a clue. We well, didn't have a clue he'd said that to me. It reminds me of that. Have you ever seen that little image that sometimes p- people post on socials? It's like the two little miners and the miner digging, digging, digging away. And then he gives up just before he's about to get to that. To yeah, the, the, to the diamond old. that's similar because you could have thrown the towel yeah. not knowing how close you were being yeah. to the trajectory that you're on yeah today definitely. the other thing that's dif- difficult with that and i think some people may resonate with their own lives and and i think we definitely come from a business perspective is that often it's easy to like we'll have failures in business mm. but then attach your emotions to that i can only imagine that's yeah. even more difficult to do with trying to separate the mind from the body and thinking, okay, this is my body yeah. and it's, I've had a failure here and I've got to yeah. try and go again. People have it in everyday lives with jobs, yeah. relationships, and they'll blame themselves heavily. Yeah. They'll go into like this hole of negativity and self-doubt. Yeah. How are you able to take that feedback and, and almost detach yourself from that because it is your career and your job? How are you able mm. to, to bounce back think, or separate it from... I think eating? it comes back though, doesn't it? I think it comes back to when we say about that competitiveness, that... I'll show you kind of attitude mm. and like, if you give up at the first hurdle, then you're never going to get anywhere in life, are you? So I think that was it. Like I, I was very close to calling it because I don't want to be a guy who just turns up to make the numbers up. I was always someone who wants to be a competitor and actually win shows. So when they said that it doesn't work and you're not going to be here for long, it did hit me hard. But then I was like, who are you to say that? There's there's so many shows and there's so many things I can I can still showcase and prove. And then that's how I did it, really. I came back. And that's what I've done in business as well. Like I said, I've, um, I've tried to implement that in, in all parts of my life, not just for competing. Do you think that's why with your son and baby to come, yeah. um, <laughs> you'll integrate them into sports from a really young age? Because you, I believe, definitely, I've grown up in sports and I think I could walk. I was already yeah. in sport. Do you think for kids as well, it's so important to to get them in sport, like winning and losing. Yeah. And- well, I personally, yeah, I don't want to be someone who's, who's saying, yeah, I'm going to force them into no, winning. No, no, and force yeah. them into- but <laughs> I think it's really important to get them outside, to get them active because in our, even in our era, when we were growing up, there wasn't like social media. There wasn't, there was that PS1 and all that kind of stuff. But Crash Bandicoot. It, yeah. But yeah, to me, like on a, on a <laughs> yeah. welfare side to have one of them, like we never had, had any of that. Tetris. So we were, <laughs> yeah. if we weren't out the door by eight o'clock in the morning playing outside, we were cleaning windows, hoovering up. My mum had jobs and chores for us to do. So we were just told to be outside and, and be at one with the world, you know, kind of thing. And, and, and I still, I want that for him. I'm scared because I, because I had that upbringing, it was great to some degree, but at the same time, I was left behind with technology. I wasn't interested in telling I'm still not now. I'm not very good. I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> Most people will tell you that. But so there's a fine line. I want him to and her to to understand and to be able to function in this day and age, which is technology and all that kind of stuff and being in front of a, a laptop and being in front of TV. But at the same time, yeah, I, I want him to be outside. And he's, he's so active. He, he hates being inside. He's like I am. So it's not taking me much to force him to do it he wants to do it so i take him swimming on the tuesday he has swimming lessons tuesday wednesday he has gymnastics football he has uh, saturday um he's just constant thursday's doing pottery he's, he's two <laughs> years old <laughs> yeah no, oh, it's unbelievable but yeah it's um yeah i'm just keeping his act keeping him as active as i can yeah. it's good at least he's got options there as well yeah. like my child i did i did tennis cricket golf football yeah. everything yeah, all of them. i think it definitely instills a lot of discipline and this is even something that me and Lucy, without even having kids at the moment, we mm. worry about, and I'm sure other parents may do who listen to the podcast. Yeah. 
about how much technology, how much phone, how much iPad Scary. Kid, kids are getting as yeah, opposed to like when, when all generation grew up with, without yeah. that and kind of evolved into it. And we spoke to yeah. Joe Faze about this the other day because yeah. he, being a Gen Z, he's one of those people who's never really been around without social yeah, media. Yeah, and of course. as we would have been out playing football, swimming, whatever, he was doing YouTube videos yeah. when he From was 10. From the age of 10. But it's the social thing what scares me. Like my, my son, I'm so proud. He's... He'll walk into this room with strangers and he'll be like, hello, hi, yeah. you know, he, he wants to talk to me, he wants to engage in it. And I've seen other kids who live on their um, their Macs or uh, iPads. They call iPads, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> those, those things, yeah. <laughs> those screens, they live on them. But they, you, you speak to them, they put their heads down. They're just so devoid of any confrontation or any, like, um, yeah, association with other kids. And I just think that's so sad. I think like, why? Well, yeah, he should be. I'm so proud when he does it and he comes up into crowds yeah. and, and starts speaking to people. I think that's great. what it should be, yeah. Social Cause, skills. Because we yeah. can't say because we're not parents yet and we've mm. already had this discussion because I was such an outdoorsy kid. Yeah. It's when, I don't know, like a kid, I can't say at all because I'm not a parent yet, mm. but if a kid's crying, it'd also thing to do because I give it the iPad. Yeah. Don't. Like go outside or play or talk. Yeah. Maybe no, I can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, that's the thing. You okay, can. Yeah, yeah. The, it's the communication because that is so true. You, you can have a stick of dummy in the mouth. This stops them instantly. Or you, you you give you give them yeah a laptop or whatever a Mac. Whereas we've tried so hard and it's so good now with an age. He's only two, but if you get onto his level, which we I didn't know this. I was talking down to him and he just going skits. And he could not bring him. You go down to his level and you try and like reason with him mm. you, you think what's going off what are you hungry you're tired there's something wrong and yes it's harder it's more monotonous doing it that way but the communication we have now i know every part of like when he's crying in a certain way the way he's acting the way he's slumped over there's just little things which parents won't see if you're just chucking the easiest thing at him which is a mm. tablet mm. um and that's yeah that's something i'm very proud of because i know what he wants now and stuff and yeah it's still only two but yeah. <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> I was, you know, I always think of people like I don't told this story. It was funny. I'll I'll tell you the story before I tell you who it's about. Um, when I was in school, uh, I went to a school called Mosslands. It was just like an all boys school, lads being lads. Nice. So it was a football match on one day, and it was all P teachers telling a story about how they played against each other. School, the school was coming to our football pitch. Yeah, and there was this kid on the the bus, and he was. Apparently a bit of a nightmare the whole okay. time on the way there. He's just a, one of those kids who was a, a pain in the ass. Right. And so the teacher put him in goal. He said, right, you're playing in goal. He's yeah. been a twat the whole way on the on the, <laughs> on the bus. So the first half he played in goal and all school was winning, I think, 2-0. Yeah. At half time, they let him come out and he played up front and they won 7-2 and he scored seven goals. <laughs> right, okay. And the kid who it, it was was Wayne Rooney. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and the PE teacher saying when he was like 14, he was just yeah. an animal. Yeah. You know when you could see someone's yeah, different? Yeah, different. Built different, yeah. And one of the things I think about Wayne Rooney, I don't know if you watch his documentary. No. It's brilliant. He's one of those kids who was just every minute of every day on the street, kicking a ball yeah. out on, on the field, doing things. And he, he had that in football he was yeah. rugged he was rough but he was he had such a passion for football mm. because he just spent every minute of every day every playing refining those skills being with yeah. other kids i mean he, he was obviously a little shit because he, yeah. <laughs> he was growing up but yeah but there's a raw talent there as well though because yeah. i grew up with a guy called gary Chandler, and he he was a good footballer but his dad thought he was more and he invested so much into him he was a policeman his dad and I, it was so sad to watch because he was never going to make it the big leagues he was good 
but his dad was so obsessed with him being the best of what he did. He wouldn't let him come out at night. He used to pick him up from school. He'd, he'd be on his bike. He'd be running every night. He'd be literally military trained. And you could just see he was miserable. And he knew he was never going to, he was quite small. He, he got bullied, you know, like he's in on the, mm. on the football pitch. But his dad would not let it go. He was trying to live his, maybe his dream through his son and he was pushing him and pushing him. It was so sad to see. And then you've got the other guy, a bit similar to a Wayne Rooney guy. He played for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, his name was Jason Bradley. He was the opposite, just loved it, just did it for him. It wasn't being forced or anything to do it. And it was just a raw God-given talent. And he was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. He ended up playing for Sheffield Wednesday. Gary, bless him, they remortgaged the house, made it, and I don't think he speaks to his dad now. And it's just sad to see. Mm -hmm. And that's what, as you grow up and become a parent yourself, you've got to be so mindful of which way you go. You no. want to be supportive. You want to push them in what, wherever they want to go. But at the same time, you've got to step back and let them do it themselves. Have you ever seen a film called Jimmy Grimble? Have no. you seen it? I don't think so. Have you seen Jimmy Grimble, Carl? It's a, it's a film. Bring that a little bit closer to you as well. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Jimmy Grimble. It's basically this coach who's a coach of the football team and all he shouts is, give it to Gordon. Give it because he thinks his son's God gift. Uh, okay. And he's not. And there's another kid on the team who is raw Unbelievable. talent yeah. plays for Man City. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a funny story. Uh, okay. On on that as well, because I had something like, along the lines of this on my notes was spotting those God-given talents and spotting people who are great and, and knowing when I'm not going to make it. So I only ever did one men's physique show. Yeah. Um, it was Jamie Alton who coached me for it. Yeah, yeah. I did it. I put like everything into it for 16 weeks. Yeah. There's not, you got I, to. The one thing I wanted to do was like step on stage and know that I hadn't left any stone unturned. So every 100%. day, every minute, every meal, didn't you step have foot to, long, yeah. wrong. But I knew when I did the show and I looked back at like some of the images and done something, yeah. like I just wasn't meant to be yeah. in that sport. And I'm glad that I pulled the plug on it. Yeah. Did it. And a lot, yeah. of, not a lot of people can do that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get obsessed with it, and they, they want what other people have. And the sad truth of bodybuilding is, is it fundamentally comes down to genetics as mm -hmm. well. So you can be the hardest worker in the room, but if you haven't got the genetics, you're only ever going to get so far. So mm -hmm. if you can accept that and think, right, I want to do it for enjoyment. I love uh, living that uh, lifestyle 365 days a year, and I just want to be able to say I've given it my all, my best, and I don't place, but I know I'm at my best on stage. Then. And that's great mm -hmm. um, for me from the competitive side being number one and wanting to win if i didn't have the genetics to to be up there then i wouldn't have pursued it the way i did mm -hmm. um and like we talk about obsession and although like i say i wasn't pushed by my parents or anything like i was obsessed with training i still am to this day like yeah i've never missed i train twice a day and i don't do it because i have to i do it because i want to uh trained at five o'clock this morning um, I remember from, yeah, from the age of 14, I was doing sit-ups every night, press-ups, um, and then getting to the gym half an hour earlier than um, my stepdad, who was a bodybuilder, to do my extra midsection because I was obsessed with a midsection. So, yeah, there's always that obsession when it comes to sports uh, if you want to succeed in it and do well. I think there's, like, different kinds of obsession as well. Mm. What you said is it seems like a healthy obsession. Yeah. And we have, like, a healthy obsession with fitness and running yeah. and work and business and things like that one of the things that i find really interesting about you that i don't think a lot of people know and i didn't know this okay <laughs> you in terms of your nutrition because that's a very obviously a massive part if not one of the biggest parts of bodybuilding and what you look like in aesthetics mm. you don't track your calories no and that is beyond me because i don't yeah. think people can fathom that because your physique mm. 
you don't track your calories. But I don't track my lifts. I don't track my training either, any of that. So, and I'm not opposed to doing it. So like people who need that structure in their training and nutrition, go for it. And if it, if it works, fantastic. But for me, I lose the enjoyment in it. I've, I've done all that. I've had a big team around me where we've done caliper readings every day. Um, we've monitored sleep. We've, we've monitored loads of different aspects to get me working as optimal as possible. But it became a job, a chore, hitting analytics and seeing what on, on spreadsheets and stuff. And that's just not me. It's not how I've ever been growing up. It's not how I am in business. It's not how I am as a person. So I feel like there's a, there's a fine line of being elite, but at the same time doing it uh, in a way what you enjoy doing because you're never going to sustain something if you don't enjoy it. And and that's what happened in 2000 and was it 18? No, 19. It became that. I was doing DEXA scans every week. I was down to like the mill, like the last mill on my back. It was 0.6 and we need to be at 0.5. And that's the last part of my, my body fat to come off is my lower back. So like we were constantly measuring it and it just became an obsession on mm. figures. And I just, yeah, I hated every minute of it. And the same as food. Like I've, I've trained since yeah, I was 14, over 20 years. I know exactly what to eat. Um, and I know, obviously, as long as my output is bigger than my input, my expenditure is more than input, then I'm going to lose weight and go the right way. I know what my maintenance roughly is. I just don't want to get consumed and obsessed 365 days mm -hmm. a year thinking, right, I need 203 grams of protein in this meal and 50 grams of fats, because that's not a healthy way to look at nutrition. And yes, my, I won't say my, my food or nutrition is healthy, like as in is normal because it's not like it is it's still regimented it's mm. still six meals a day but i have a good variation i have two fillet steaks today i have two salmon fillets today i have four chicken breasts today four eggs a day rice white potato sweet potato asparagus i have everything going oats blueberries so i get everything the body needs mm. i've never created like intolerances because a lot of bodybuilders will create Again, they'll get IBS or intolerances because they'll get obsessed with fish and a rice cake mm. or chicken and rice. And, and they don't have to add to my question. Yeah. That, Danny was there. Uh, yeah. I always said to him, sorry, just that shoot that we did, we, just to give people context, we all had to play a part. We had to play a role. There was like 12 yeah. and it went down the line. It had to be done in one shot. Yeah. Danny was the end of the line. And the person Danny had to play was Fish's Rice Cake guy, was himself. I remember for the sixth time that it got wrong, I shouted down and said, Fucking hell, mate! You're playing yourself. <laughs> you yeah, he's the only one who's playing himself, yeah. and he couldn't oh, remember his, couldn't remember yeah, his lines. Yeah, but yeah, fish and rice, rice cake. cake. Yeah. But yeah, so it, like I said, I've, I've I've always prided myself in like not making a big scene of it as well. A lot of people out in the bodybuilders, they, they like everybody to know they're working out of Tupperware boxes. They're going through the grind. They're in the trenches, and no one else can do this. And I don't think that's true. It's just I fitted it into my lifestyle, and I, and I, I enjoy what I do, and I enjoy how I eat. I think that's why you're so humble, though. Because again, it's the iceberg theory. All, all this below. A lot of people want to share that within bodybuilding. I'm yeah. doing this. And I'm doing. You, you just see the. No, I don't think anyone who's listening to this will know you don't track calories. It's not yeah. like a common no. thing no, in bodybuilding. Know, exactly. So it's it is that the, theory. It, yeah, and it's one of those things. What like they always ask it. You know, it, it shows. What calories on? Yeah. What? Yeah. What calories <laughs> on? And Chicken breast and a bit of rice. Grams of rice, the, I think. <laughs> I think like one of the I took a start from this and it's data from the American College of Sports Medicine indicates that thirty five percent of elite athletes struggle with eating disorders, burnout, depression, or anxiety. Mm. And this is obviously a big one, but I honestly what think thirty five percent, thirty five percent of elite athletes. I yeah. thought that'd be more, to be honest. Mm. I mean, that's what's reported. That doesn't mean that I'd say there's probably some yeah. variance in data because yeah. some people won't admit it. 
In 2018, that was me. That was me where seven years I had it religiously exact same meals, no matter what time, like the exact same time of day. If I was in the cinema on a date or whatnot, and it was half past nine at night, I, my alarm would be going off about having cold salmon and broccoli. I was so anal about my food. If I was traveling up to Scotland, I'd have my white fish, which tastes like rubber. It's a horrible way to live your life. But <laughs> I did that 365 days a year because I was obsessed. But you burn out. There's no yeah. way. It's not healthy. It's not a good relationship with food. And it's not, yeah, it's not a way to live your life at all. Yeah. I, speaking of that, I've told this before. I remember when I was doing that one prep, mm. I was like the lads on a night out. I took my fish with me in the back of the car. I was at 3.30 a.m. in the back of the car, come out from the club, mm. gone to the car and I was scooping fish out to work. Yeah, yeah. So I never the, the worst thing is, is I, I still have to do that now, yeah. but nobody knows it. So I was at my son's birthday uh, last September. We were two weeks out from the Olympia. We had 300 odd people in this, in this pub, um, beer garden and we had all this food massive uh rare food it was beautiful red hot day and just every two hours i'd sneak out nip to my car eat my food come back in but no one didn't even know and that was the beauty of it. that's what they just think i've gone to the bar or gone to the toilet mm. i never used to make a thing of it and exactly the same i used to be on uh, is it, yeah, silver street in doncaster mm -hmm. come out of the club at 12 o'clock <laughs> go and have a meal get back in the club yeah. for half 12 no one even knew i'd gone yeah <laughs> just smell like a fish monger yeah, <laughs> yeah what? But yeah, I've just always done it. It's just it's just been a lifestyle for me. So I, I've not had to make a show of it. It's just it's fuel and it's part of what I do. What we're talking here, those obviously extreme examples. Are like you're mm. an elite athlete? It's not to say that everybody who wants to follow in and bet themselves no, and have fitness. No, of course, that. yeah. But what fascinates me is, and we've had a lot of people and had a lot of conversations around people who are world record holders, people who have pursued crazy challenges, mm. people who have won some of the biggest titles on earth. Yeah. And a lot of them have a really laid back persona about them. Yeah. And it's, I think you're definitely similar. So when I look at people like Ross Edgley, who's swum around the country, yeah. super laid back guy. Yeah, yeah. We had Ash Dykes on the other, the other week who, who, who wore for 352 days straight around yeah. China. You, yourself, um, even Harry Aikens Can't as well. put me in that context with those two. <laughs> <laughs> you, a guy who swam around the, uh, you, the UK. You've, in, you've been at the you. top of your industry is what I mean for right. a long time. Even people like Harry Aikens, he, before a run, goes and gets a Mackey's as a Big yeah. Mac. And <laughs> yeah. Because it's people that, I think a lot of people don't know this about some elite athletes who had that mindset mm. of super laid back. Yeah. And it's the same with the calorie thing. I think it's, it's the same with what you talk about your training. Some days you go in and it'll be, mm. be based on how you feel. Whereas I think a lot of people will think everything is regimented. Yeah. And I think I go, this probably goes down to persona and personality traits of yeah. what, what you're like and what suits you. But I think that's just really interesting about how that mindset has probably helped you more yeah. and, and help you keep good relationships with food oh. and exercise moving forward. Well, that's what I do fundamentally believe why I'm still doing what I'm doing 15 years. Or you speak to some of the lads who I used to compete with in the early days who were obsessed like I were, they don't live this lifestyle at all anymore. It wasn't sustainable and they can't stand it. They literally, if you ask them to eat chicken and rice out of a Tupperware now, they wouldn't in a, in a million years. And it's because they were so anal and obsessed with it that they just couldn't deal with it in, in any other way. But like I say, I only do this when I'm on prep. So those, yeah, yeah. like with the Arnold Classic in 2013, two weeks out, I was at my sister's wedding in uh, Kos, Greece. There were 50 of us, um, all young, like couples and all inclusive, all you can eat. Everyone's pissed out the red every day. Um, my room was next to a Nutella crepe stand. So I saw you could smell 24 hours. I had my George Foreman grill. Um, and what I was getting, chicken breast? Yeah, and I was cooking my own white rice in my room and had all this food, what could be cooked. But for me, that's what's winning, what it takes to win. And I, on the wedding day, I took my George Foreman to the venue. 
and letting the chef, the chefs let them use their kitchen, and I just quickly cooked it, cranking so, them out. Yeah, but no one even noticed. And the thing was, because I didn't make a deal out of it, I still sat with everyone on the wedding day, and we all and. Looking back, I, I could have probably had that meal. It wouldn't have made a, an ounce of difference. But more from a mentality yeah. St- yeah, standpoint, I was eating what I was eating on prep. And I ate it, and people next to me never even noticed what I was eating because why would they? You know what I mean? They're, they're engrossed mm. in their own happiness on, on the wedding day. So it was just things what I've, yeah, sacrificed, which, yeah. Have you ever had other people say things to you? Like, I definitely, because I started, like, business and fitness things, like, from a really young age, yeah. and then, like, the fitness industry age of 18, first year of uni, yeah. I stopped going out, I started a business, I was training all the time. I, I didn't really drink, I've, yeah, I'm ne- I've never been a massive drinker, it doesn't, yeah. love a glass of red wine or give two, or take, yeah. give or take. I always got called boring, mm. or like you're not living life to the full, and I also grew up as a swimmer, so again, yeah. not, didn't really have a social life yeah, out of, of swimming, but I loved it. I would yeah. never, people like, oh, do you regret it? Do you want to change anything? I'm like, absolutely yeah. not. I don't, I don't feel as a young woman, I missed out no, on anything. Well, that's brilliant. But for you, have you had those comments from other people like, oh, you're so you're so boring, Ryan, or you're yeah. too regimented, like loosen up a little bit? So when I when I was growing up, I don't know what it was, but my family's really divided, like split. So my brother and sister, they've always lived in their comfort zone. They, they work for other people and they're happy paying their bills and, and getting a bit of spending money for their holidays to save up. And it, they're very, and that's where my dad came from. Whereas my, and we didn't even know my dad growing up either. So it's funny to see how those two are molded like him without even mm. having his influence. Mm. Whereas my mom, she was like an entrepreneur. She was never wanted to work for anybody else. From a young age, she was very independent, lived on her own from 14 in a flat in Nottingham. She she was just, yeah, self-dependent. And that's how I was. So from the age of 14, I wanted my own business. I wanted to be successful in life. And at the time you think, why was a 14-year-old thinking like that? You should mm. be thinking about going out playing um playing with your, your your friends and 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 making memories but all I was obsessed with was work so from 14 I started pot washing every night on a Saturday pot uh, washing I was pot washing every I did that for nearly nine years pot washing from the age of 14 even when I was sponsored by USN and all that I still pot really? washed at night nobody ever knew that yeah on a Saturday I used to do removals um this was 14 to the age of probably 18 I did uh house removals on a Saturday and then on a Sunday I worked all day doing pot washing as well so and then when I turned 16, I became an apprentice plumber. All day I was apprentice plumber till half four. Five o'clock I'd get in the gym till six. Six thirty I'd walk across from the gym to a, it's called Pickwick's pub. It was like a gypsy pub. And I'd from six till ten I'd be pot washing every night. And I did that. I was obsessed with work. And don't know why, but I loved it. I, I embraced it. And people used to say, why? Like I remember my friend's dads used to say to me, What is going off here? And my mum was a very hard woman. I, I paid board. From the age of 14, 35 pounds, only earned 50 pounds working every day. Um, So yeah, it was a very tough upbringing, but she she showed me the value of money and and how I had to fend for myself at a young age. But um, but yeah, it it came, I I used to look to my friends when they'd be going to a beef every year when I was 18, 19. And yeah, I wished I could do it or they were going out every night, every weekend, but I just couldn't afford to do that because I bought a house when I was 18 and I was renovating that every night as well. But then I look back and I loved it and I was never a big drinker. And luckily something happened when I was 20. I split up with my girlfriend at the time. and That forced me into being more sociable with friends again and, and mm-hmm. out of my comfort yeah. zone. So I had a good stint. And if, if I'd not had that, I think I would probably have regretted things in life mm-hmm. because I had five years of, of going to Beetha, going to Hideout Festival, doing all the things you should have been doing at that age. But at the same time, I still had that 
that work ethic. So I was still building my, my own businesses. I was still um, self-employed as a plumber. The moment I got qualified, I was like, I'm not earning anybody else any money. I want to earn it for myself. Um, so yeah, I got, I'm blabbering on a little bit here. I've gone off no, track. But what I'm trying to say is, is I don't regret anything I did, but now those same people, like my best friend, Joe, he, I used to live a bit through him. He was such a confident guy. Um, never trained anything like that, but he was so good with the women. He was so sociable. Everything I was scared of, you know, everything I was nervous of. So I kind of like was in his shadows mm -hmm. and he was so sporadic, like, right, we'll jump on a train in an hour. We're going to go here. Right, do you want to go to Thailand for, a, a, you know, backpacking? Mm -hmm. And he'd be off and I'm going to go work in Ayanapa for six months. And he, he was always like that. Yeah. I just used to be so inspired by it. So I used to live through that a little bit and get my taste and get my fill but I was always still building my businesses and building everything I, I wanted to do myself. And looking back, these same guys like Joe, he looks at me now and he's like, what you've achieved is just, I wished I'd done that. And they all say yeah. the opposite now. Yeah. Every single one of them who was like, why aren't you coming out? Why aren't you? Like they all say what you've got and how comfortable you are and how you what you've created for your family now. Because they're all working six days a week now. They're all really struggling on the breadline. And it, yeah, it's... They all wish they'd done that now. Mm. It's that old town quote though, isn't it? Of make those hard decisions today for an easier tomorrow. Yeah. In, a, yeah. in retrospect. And yeah. Again, just ref referencing a, a podcast that I was listening to recently, which is the Stephen podcast with yeah. Alex Hormozy. Again, he was, he was talking a lot about how people like point the finger at him as like, you don't have any work-life balance and how mm. can you be enjoying yourself? You don't have any hobbies. And he said, I have the zero hobbies. My, my only other hobby is going to the gym. And running businesses. I literally and, listened to that this morning. Yeah, so yeah the reason listen. I'm smiling, I yeah. listened to that, that exact same and thing. I, I, I listened think to I knew that would resonate with yeah. you because yeah. I think often people say that these are toxic traits and like mm. you should accept yourself and you're, you're perfect the way that you are. But to, to a lot of people who have pain in their life, who who want to make change, who aren't mm. happy with the current position they're in, and that's very demotivating and can be very yeah. toxic in itself. So the fact that you've found joy in that hard work and you've, yeah. you've found a career you found a passion yeah. like all more power to you i don't think yeah, you should be put it. off to doing things like that i knew that yeah. would resonate with you that, yeah that definitely yeah i was just listening to it this morning because he talks about you should get rid of the word should because you should be doing this because they said you should be doing this mm. you should be eating at this time you should be no you you do what you want to do mm. when you want to do it and you live your life the way you want to live it and when i was listening to it this morning i was like that's so true like I have lived my life exactly how I wanted to live it. And mm. some people might not like that, but that's that's perfectly fine. They're not living it. You're not um, living your fucking no, life. Exactly. But I think like this day and age as well, you always see these memes where like if people train, look after their bodies, yeah. go to the gym every day or train every day or don't drink alcohol, they're missing out, they're yeah. boring, they're obsessive. Yet somebody who sniffs drugs on a weekend, goes out all the time, yeah. splurges their money, they're living their best yeah. life. Yeah. And to me, that in humanity so, yeah. is Backwards. I felt like there was oh, a swing at the crazy, moment. Though. I felt like there's a there's a swing where like this acceptance of like people having sobriety, people who are look mm -hmm. optimizing the health, yeah. people like Andrew Huberman, Joe Rogan, Stephen. These type of people are really bringing to the top that like you, you know you can live your life the way that you want yeah. it and enjoy it by, by optimizing the, yeah. the quality yeah, of life is, that you've got. Which is good that it's making that shift. But the, when I was like it I'm 26 like now, that. but when I was like 18, 19, yeah. it was always. I, I was the obsessive one. Yeah. I was obsessed because I liked the gym. I was obsessed yeah. because I enjoy healthy food and yeah. I was unhealthy. And yeah. that to me has always been backwards, but there is a shift. You've got all these people now coming to the top and people listen to podcasts and they look up yeah. to different people. And that is such a nice shift because yeah. I always think, oh, when well, yeah, we have kids, is. I hope they yeah. grow up 
in that generation rather than when what you, we ha- did. Having kids, are you fearful of of like what they're going to be, the way the world's going at the minute? Or? Yeah, I think I think I yeah. think so. I think I'm. I, I don't know. That's a that's a very broad question. No, no, I definitely because but... that's one of the things that me and Lou spoke about in terms of because people say, "Are you going to give your kid a social media channel like build mm, up their account while they're young?" And I'm like. Yeah. I don't want Absolutely to put that pressure not. on them. We've had a lot of pressure from it. You've had a lot of pressure mm-hmm. from it. To do that to a young child, I don't think is great. I think we probably worry about, we even worry about our own health and mental yeah. health sometimes with yeah. social media. So to put that on a, a child is difficult. And then just trying to yeah. manage it. It's, and, it's so hard because you can see where it's going. And you think, oh, you could actually help your child out. Because in, mm. in a way you think, if, if I was to set that up for him now, in 10 years, in 20 years time, he could have a business out of this or she could yeah. have a business out of this. But at the same time, it's it's such a, I don't know, it, innit? It seems a little bit, and my perspective changing it, when I was first on Instagram, I was like, yeah, I'd give my kid in. Mm. I would never do same. that now. It's like exploitation and you're making that's what my money wife, yeah. off a kid and that's not yeah. their choice. They've not asked mm. to be on social media. Yeah. We had the conversation about when the fuck do you give them a phone? I, I was know. like, Ben, do we give it like a Nokia? He's like, no, Luke, like, we, we <laughs> have moved talkies. past that. <laughs> like, the cup's next to the wall. You're just, you're, <laughs> exactly. But I, I, do, I do worry because I've, I, I have anxiety and social mm. media and pressure and you can do as much as you can as a parent, and, yeah. but it's also the school they go to, the 100%. environment, the people. So we'll do as much as we can. Yeah. We're very entrepreneurial. But what uh, we talked about, I don't know if, um, in, with Gymshark, Chris Will, I don't know, Williamson, mm. he um, he touched on a topic, we were talking about parenting, and he touched on a topic where uh, nature versus nurture, and he said, no matter what, you two can't influence your child because it, he's, yeah. they, they won't take, no matter, I think it's one third is uh, schooling, yeah, and all the rest is influenced by your, their friends, dads, their friends, mums, mm. the people who are around them who are not closest to them. So they'll be influenced by Ben's uh, dad who, who plays the guitar. So we want to play the yeah. guitar because of him, not because I am a bodybuilder mm. and stuff. So it's quite scary that. And what yeah. he was saying is like a lot of uh, rich American people now are building ranches. Oh, yeah. Them, yeah. And then they're having like a, a family of doctors, having a family of nurses and all these different professions who they want to influence their kids by and basically like breeding them uh which see again, that's also a bit creepy that's not healthy, it's like it? it's like How that's that two extremes you, want, you kind of want to be in the middle but yeah you can't it's crazy it's... but but what i've done though like so i want to set a future up for my son and, and how, how do you do it in a way where i've been fortunate enough now i can give him what what he wants or what he needs where where, where me and my wife are, are stuck on this is how much do you give give them so they can have a better life than what you had but then but also desensitizing them to the real life to the hardship of life because if they don't experience like not having money or not going out to work or not being able to have whatever they want how are they how are they gonna like function in real life in society and that's what scares me and it was Chris who brought that up and I was like that's so true because I want to gift him I want to do all these things for him because I didn't have that and it, it weren't nice. You know, like when kids have got the best daddy, that's predator football boots and you've got some cheap little Umbro ones from mm-hmm. Sports Direct. I was there. Yeah, it was just one of those feelings which I never want my son to have. But at the same time, that's what moulded me to who I am and my work ethic and stuff. So Isn't that so a fine line. Because yeah. I've heard Gary Bede talk about this before. I was just going to say said, that. My son will never be as good as me because yeah. he'll never be as hungry as I yeah. once was because yeah. he'll never have to climb that hill that I had to get up to yeah. get to where I am now and go through the poverty of it because... He'll have things given on to him on a plate, but I've got to try and manage those luxuries. Yeah. What about Aston Kutcher? He he's come out, hasn't he, and said 
uh, he won't give a single penny to his kids. Didn't um, Bill Gates say the same thing as well? I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It was Bill she's Gates. Give it all yeah, Aston percentage. Kutcher's done the same. So he's literally said that he's not going to get a single penny. They're not going to get a single penny of my wealth because they need to earn it themselves. It's not their money. It's my money. Mm. Um, Shaq said something. Oh, Shaq O'Neal. He said the same thing, that they need to go out and earn the right yeah, to, I think to have they... his money should work i think they should be in sport mm. even if you because it's really hard you you build we're building for when we have kids to be able to you know go on holiday yeah. and do nice things and yeah and it is you know harder and, to do that so yeah but then also keeping them completely grounded in terms of yeah go and work do you know what i would suggest sport. doing what i've what i've done and this might be the wrong thing and I don't think there's any wrong thing. It's all just subjective, isn't it? Yeah. So instead of, like, say, social media and exploiting them and doing that sort of thing, I set up a business for him, uh, for my son. When he was born, the day he was born, I bought, uh, I set up something called Alta, which is Alfie Lewis Terry Aesthetics. So he won't know about that company. That's um, It's a, a board short company, so I compete on stage. They're, they're mainly for stepping on stage board shorts, but they they swimwear as well. And I'm building that to when, for when he's 18. And... Yeah, I'm not going to gift it him, but I'm trying to build something where he doesn't know about it, but then try and get him to understand business, try and get him to, and then he could take that on and, mm. and excel with it if, if he wants to. But at the same time, at least he's got some security when he's older. Um, and that's fantastic. That's what, yeah, that's Because you've worked well to do that for mm. him and then he yeah. won't know. Yeah. So he'll still be like grafting in yeah, his so head. Yes, we won't expect like, it. And yeah. that, that's my, yeah. I've, I've been putting money aside every month for him as well, which again... Might be a wrong thing. He'll never know about that money. Um, that's just something I've, I've I've always wanted to do for both my kids. Is uh, every month I put away into his bank. He's got more money in. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it. Yeah, it's one of those things where I can address it at eighteen. If he's a little shit and he doesn't appreciate anything, he ain't having it. But mm. the, the other side of it, if he works hard and then he's got a better life or a better start than yeah. I had in life. I think we can develop those skills from to be able to manage money and yeah be disciplined with it then i think you'll probably appreciate mm. it but it's it, different with me and my wife that's that's it yeah as long as you two understand it like um she's amazing my wife but she had a, an amazing upbringing she like was was very um what's the word privileged. Uh, yeah privileged um and she had such a loving mum and dad they're amazing and i'm so glad my son's got that in, in grandparents because my side not so much so so yeah it, it's it's amazing to see it. i i didn't I struggled to see it because I've I've never experienced mm -hmm. it growing up. So it, it, I'm so glad uh, Alfie's got that. But at the same time, we struggle because I'm a bit tougher. He needs to understand from an early age. He needs a bit more tough love, whereas she's very affectionate, too, too forgiving. And you can already see traits in him now where, I won't say he's scared of me, but he respects. He won't ever, mm -hmm. he's never lashed out at me or he knows when to stop. Whereas with Amy, because... She's too nice. I with think we'll be quite similar That's the one thing any yeah. parents out there try to be uniform. Don't have a good cop, bad cop. Because what was happening yeah. is he knew he couldn't get away with stuff with me and he knew he could get away with everything. And at an early age, at two years old, he was doing this. So it was all mummy. He started to hate me and mummy was letting him off. So yeah. it was creating a divide between us two. So I think parenting is, is so difficult and it's something that it, it can be an amazing thing as long as you work together and talk to each other. Yeah, I think that's... The, Quite traditional that mm. dynamic there. It was definitely yeah. say in my household, and I had the same same thing. But I still, I think I massively acknowledge it and respect my dad more for it now, just yeah. because I understood what he was trying to do yeah. as well. But yeah, but she, we, we've been so the last, I'd say the last four or five months, we've been on the same wavelength, and it's so good to see because 
he now he's never lashed out or anything at her now and he, he respects her a lot more and stuff there are times where i see you, you you're letting him get away with what you're doing and i have to keep quiet because i don't want to undermine her anything. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be so careful you address the situation when he's asleep and say look we need to deal with this in a better way or and it's so hard but communication i think is and we're not perfect by any means i'm not trying to say like we're we've schooled this parenting because we haven't by any means but the communication is so so key it's massive have you taken any traditions or have you learned anything from um what you knew of your father or stepdad that you will pass down to your son massively yeah so one thing I love my dad. Like I said, I don't want to stand here and say like he's, he's a bad man, but he's a he's a very selfish man. He, he's not not in a, in a nasty way. He's just shit, shower, shave, does what he wants to do. Like that's him down mm-hmm. to a T. And because we grew up without him, he didn't really have that relationship with us. So no affection there or no. And that's one thing I've always vowed I would never pass down to my son. So I always want to be there for everything he does. Um, be as affectionate as I can with him um, just show as much support as I can um, because yeah it's it's not nice when you see kids like around you who have got that or had that growing up and you didn't you was always like why wondering why why haven't I got that or uh, so I never want him to to have that feeling which yeah hopefully it never does that, that make you upset looking back on it um yeah in some respects yeah like I say my mum although she was a very tough woman she was a very hard woman she she gave us everything we needed. So I'm not I'm never going to uh, speak bad of her or anything. There are things she could have done different. And we've had apologies where we say a woman scorned or whatever, but because of their marriage breakdown, it was a very like, yeah volatile ma- uh, marriage that as soon as that broke down, we were told he was this awful, horrible man. And some of the things I like, yeah, he used to turn up cause we share the same birthday and he used to turn up to, to football matches. Um, and yeah, well, yeah, my brother would launch him over a, a hedge and it was, it was, it was not some bad time, <laughs> yeah. should we say, because we thought he was this horrible man and yeah. he wasn't. And, and that's one thing I said to Amy, if we ever split up, please, please promise me, which hopefully we will. Yeah. <laughs> but if anything ever happened, please like stay, you know, like don't. Don't make it toxic. Yeah. Mm. Toxic for the, the kids. Cause no matter what age you are, you always remember all that. Um, yeah. So that's something we've always, if we're upset with each other, we never show it in front of him. Like we'll always try and address it outside of when he's not in the room and stuff. And again, it doesn't always work. It's not, yeah, it's not textbook like that, but yeah, we try to. Yeah, it's very much how you've been brought up as well. Cause yeah. I think we got brought up like quite differently. I'd mm. say me and my sister were quite privileged. You know, we, I was, I've been skiing since I could walk and nice. we, we had yeah. kind of that. And yeah, my parents perfect. didn't believe in grounding. Okay. So me and Megan were, ne- I mean, I wasn't North. I was a really a good, yeah. good kid. Good. Been in sports since I was two or three yeah. years old. Yeah, discipline, yeah. Um, but we didn't believe in grounding, whereas Ben's family did have grounding. Mm. And it's and it's having that kind of thing thinking. I'm thinking, oh, I'd never yeah. ground my child. <laughs> yeah. I'd never yeah. send them to well, their room. But, but it's a good thing, though. You you've you've got the opposites, though. Because if you were too in line, like it, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a good thing because me and Amy have had to, meet in the middle so mm. maybe I would have been too tough because of the my upbringing maybe she would have been too soft because of her upbringing but because we don't agree on everything we have to meet in the middle and I think that's, that's a good place to be mm. I think you definitely take a lot of those traits that's why I asked about your, your dad and things that you'll take down because mm. yeah you spoke about I, that, I we spoke about this the other night as well on the way back I, yeah. I'm not spoke about it a lot but like my dad a few times did batter me like when I was younger yeah, but, yeah. That's, but he got the living shit kicked out yeah. of him by yeah. my granddad yeah. so that was something that was kind of I suppose passed, yeah, passed down from him, and 
Yeah, so it was a similar thing, and I actually didn't know that was wrong until I said it at a party once, and like everybody looked at me, got out, and my mum was absolutely mortified. And I was like, why are you so upset? But basically, we used to, you know, a slipper or a belt. Now you've got the same thing. Yeah. Fishing rods, belt. But we thought that was normal. Like, like we didn't. So when I was talking about it in front of other, other families, when we were doing, having like parties and stuff, she was absolutely like, went, ground me, get me out of, there, out of the room. I was like, what have I done wrong? Like, what? We're just talking about it, but yeah, you thought it was the, the norm. That was the norm, but obviously looking back, it's, it's not. <laughs> it's you're not, not even allowed to do anything but now. Even schools like that, you but used to get battered in schools yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. There's a lot of things that have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, yeah, on the, on the hand. Well, yeah, my, you know, the head teacher I was talking about, Mr. Flint. He broke my toe, my finger. Really? Um, I nearly tore my groin. Yeah, from um, from gymnastics. So he was literally, if you didn't get it first time, he'd rag you over the the vault. So I was uh, basically going over the vault but I, I was at a slight angle so I, was, I kept going over slightly and he just yanked my hand down to basically level he was getting frustrated with me to level me up as he did I hit my finger on the vault and my toe and, and it was in a competition and I broke yeah I broke my, my toe and then like what you used to do is when you used to spread your you know for splits that mm. stretching out and you used to go down to like to stretch out. We used to sit on you. Push you down. Yeah, we had yeah. that gymnastics is brutal at a young so age. So dangerous that is. We used to just sit on you. We hated yeah. it. So dangerous. Isn't that, isn't that interesting though? Because people who would look up to Tiger Woods and want to be unbelievable at golf, mm. people who want to be the next Michael Jordan, people within bodybuilding who want to be the yeah. Ryan Terry and look at you, they don't see all these things. They, yeah. they, they see the success. They see the other things. But to but, have have that success, those other things have to be worn with it. And yeah. I, I didn't know all these things until you spoke about it today. Mm. I'm grateful that you've you've yeah, told yeah. us about a lot of things. Do you, do you think Ryan Terry would be Ryan Terry is today without going through those being mm. bent over the, yeah, the vault, without no. going through those failures of what you had to, without the relationship yeah. with your dad? Definitely not. Definitely, not. I think that all of the we were talking about all those failures or all those hardships is what's what's put you to where you are now. But um. Yeah, well, I was going to say something there. On, like I say, I just remember even with swimming, just mm. for instance, when you know, you used to get tired with swimming and you used to come to the edge. You used to have a, you know, the mop, the side, you used to prod you back off the um, off the side so you couldn't touch the sides. You'd prod you off, <laughs> off the side. I was thinking, crazy some of the things you used to do. But you look back now, you think you'd absolutely yeah. get battered. Yeah, by that, swimming, you? swimming from, I think any, when you're young, I was like elite, like mm. age of 14, 15, 16 brutal yeah like some of the stuff you used to do like i had a really bad relationship with food because yeah. our body fats were measured mm. or we used to do hypoxic work so yeah. underwater work if you came up you just had to keep doing and doing and we were doing 50 meet and some people just were Crazy, passing out and they think they pull and i'm thinking whoa you're, yeah. you're blacking out and they're just i know <laughs> it's like going. that's what make but then yeah. again the whole thing we like the but, what we spoke about is that is elite yeah. but they say that as well because a lot of people even ash my videographer he, he says some of the things to me now is that God, what'd it be like to be Ryan Terry? So I'd love to be you. You've got everything. You've got all this kind of stuff. I'm like, but no one saw what I did to get to where I'm at now. Like, even for USN, when I started, they were saying, yeah, you're with USN, you're this sponsored athlete, you get this big wage and all that. I said, but in the early days, I was a salesman for USN. Mm -hmm. Every day I worked five days a week for them. And I'd be in like a, a leisure center in Edinburgh trying to sell a protein bar to OAPs would come for a swim out of a vending machine. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I'd be going down to like uh, Essex or London doing the same thing. And like, and I used to that every day or sat in Birmingham city center with a tray with like samples <laughs> yeah. pissing down with rain outside of GNC trying to get them to come in. But that was what molded me to, to build that relationship with USN to then become a sponsored athlete. Mm. But like you speak to people now and they're like, I want this massive wage. I want to do YouTube and like, I want to, and I just think 
And they don't turn up to, there's a few of them, don't turn up to shoots on time or they turn up like an hour late and it's, it is what it is because we're earning these massive wages for not doing anything. Yeah. God, you don't know how easy you've got it, like yeah. from what we used to do. And yeah, they say, oh, I wish I had your life. I was like, yeah, but live it first. Yeah, do you want to yeah. do everything? Yeah, yeah do what I did first. first. Yeah, do that pot washing for seven years every night and whatever <laughs> first. Do you think that's what keeps you so humble? Yeah, the appreciation, I think, yeah. Everyone always used to say that to me. I've probably got a good family and a network around me who'd knock me down if I got too cocky anyway. But I do think it's the appreciation of, I used to earn like, say, 150 quid a week working every single hour of the day, even at night and stuff like that. So I know what hard work is. And this is hard work. I run like four or five businesses now. And it is very hard, but I'm, I'm very grateful and I'm appreciative that I've built the life I've built off of it. And I'd never take it for granted. And if it became too much where it wasn't enjoyable or if I wasn't living the life I want to live with my family or spending the time with them, then things would change. But I'm happy with where I've got myself now. I think we can resonate with that, especially with the, yeah, the more interesting phenomenal. We, we, when we first started, I remember I was, I think I've said about this before, I was earning £300 a month. We were working until 1, 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. My car was £320 a month. I don't even know I was paying it off. But <laughs> I, was, I just knew I had this blind vision of, we're and gonna, that's when I met you. We're going to mm. succeed, yeah. And yeah. Lucy, yeah, for some crazy reason, jumped, <laughs> jumped on the train of it <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, I you? thought, yeah, this this guy's cast 200 quid. He's <laughs> great. I'll join gonna, you. Let's all join this mission. The status, the money, yeah. How long have we known each other? So T Nutrition went, what? Well, this you, is funny that's because... You, that's how you two met, surely. Yeah. You, was, you both yeah, were for T yeah, Nutrition, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. telling Calabot this the other day, and it's funny because I remember sitting in German with my best mate who was into the gym and looking at magazine covers with you on it it's crazy what year was that i don't know but like <laughs> it's be just, careful it's just, yeah. there's a lot of people it's just now. um it's just it's just weird now sitting here with you speaking about it yeah from 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 being there and yeah we we met it's at least five years for the teen nutrition days for the teen nutrition days because i remember ben told me he was like i've got an interview yeah. <laughs> I'm, inter I'm interviewing Ryan Terry and I was like, oh my um, fucking. And that was about five years ago because we met about five and a half ago. That's so, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, about five years. You both smashed it since then. Doing well. We're all, Thank you. We're all we're doing those guys from hard work. More kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. how, how many, how many more years do you think you've got in the competitive tank? Is that, is that something that crosses your mind? Oh, massive. Very much so at the minute. Yeah. To be honest with you, last year was going to be my last year. Um, it got to a point where, you know, when it talks about enjoyment and that fire and that competitiveness, it, it felt like it wasn't there anymore because I had other priorities. I had a son, I'd just, obviously uh, Alfie had just been born and I always vowed that I was going to be the best dad I could be. And being a, and I always was told uh, being a competitor and a dad, you can't be both. You can't be good at both because you have to be so selfish in sport. And you do, and there are times where you sacrifice uh, things with your son, but... That really did hit home last year. And I was like, I don't want to not be there like my dad wasn't for me. So I was like, I'm happy to walk away. I've achieved 99% of what I wanted to achieve. And and I thought I'll do one last show on home soil. So every show I've ever done, there's always been a, a backstory to it. It's never just been a random show. And I competed in the Arnold Classic in Europe in 2013. Four years on, I wanted to win it in a different country which was in the US, the biggest show in the world, or second biggest show in the world. So four years on, 2017, I won it then. When they announced in the UK, it was four years on from that. So four years, four years, four years, 2021. I thought, I haven't competed over 10 years in the UK. I could have all my family, friends on, on 
and go out with a bang, win, win the Arnold um, in three different countries. No other, no other person's won that. And you can go down in history for winning that. And then, so we talked about, you know, the analytics and, and having a team around me. And I thought, if I'm going to do it, I want to make myself accountable to me, to nobody else, not to be able to hide behind anybody. And, and if I don't win or come out with the physique I wanted, I want to be the one to blame for it. And no, if I go into coaching my next like venture, then I want to know that I can do it and prove to people that it was me who did it, not mm-hmm. somebody else. So I did it and I started prepping for it. And it was the missing piece when I got rid of my team, got rid of everybody and went back to basics, went back to the Ryan Terry who couldn't afford to have a coach or anything like that at 17 years old. And I loved every minute of it. my injuries seemed to subside. My businesses took off because I was more productive. I was making myself accountable throughout all the day. I had time for my family. I had time to train. I had time to sleep. I just, everything worked perfect. And I loved it. And, and it showed on stage. It was the best I ever looked mm. on stage. And I won it. And Amy just said, that was that felt so easy for you this time around, as in the comp- the the dieting okay. side. And I said I just loved it, babe. Like, and she went, "Well, don't give up then." And and I actually thought she'd want me to give up because it is it is yeah, yeah. quite like, very selfish and very um very hard on us as a family at times. And I thought she'd be happy for me to walk away. And she was like, "Don't give up if you've still got this fire and you, how are you going to walk away and in two or three years' time think the Olympia and not knowing that." you could have won it if you did it yourself or so so yeah she gave me the nod and the go ahead to go again um and like I say last year this the last olympia again loved every minute of it because i was doing it myself and like i was doing it for me it was just enjoyment it wasn't doing it for, for sponsors mm. it wasn't doing it for coaches or for anybody else other than the love for the sport so i've just kind of in that mindset at the minute so i'm just doing yeah. it no matter what the place in i'm just enjoying the a process very nice place and to it's be. Not, yeah it's, it's like really it's almost nice. on like a 360 and yeah. back to where it was at the start and obviously definitely having amy who's so supportive it's yeah. just like the icing on the cake because yeah. that's what you need and i think as well with my son i want him to be proud like i i'd loved him to see me on stage and he, he came to the arnold classic uh and would you believe i got him the number one spot one a his his uh <laughs> his c was <laughs> i was behind the head judge like every there was about five thousand people in the audience who would have Paid an arm and leg to have that seat, but he lasted about 30 seconds. Everyone, it was a bit weird, actually. Everyone <laughs> kept swarming him for pictures. Really? I was like, he's one year old. So we had to get him out of there. It was a bad bad shout on my point, but we got him out of there. But I just, I don't know, I'd love... He, he came to the Olympia. I brought him to Vegas <laughs> and he was fast asleep the whole time. So, <laughs> so we missed that. So I've got to keep going it until, he sees, me, yeah, until yeah. he sees me on stage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm just loving every minute of it. And there's, there's a show I'm, I'm doing at the minute, which is, I've not publicly announced it, but... I'll announce it now. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing New, New York Pro in five weeks time. Yeah. And that's a show that I never got to do. So I, I did every show I wanted to do. I've won every show I wanted to do, but that one was just something It always fell on body power weekend. And I was with USN obligations and I just couldn't, um, yeah, I just couldn't do it. Uh, and now it's come up. I thought that I can tick that off and, and get that off the list. So that's what I'm doing yeah. now. Just, I don't think I still, still evaded the the actual question there but i'd say two three years maximum um just because i'm building something at the minute which is my ultimate dream um, i'm not going to say too much yeah. at the minute but that for me is my my get out and and it's going to be a, a two or three year project and that for me is my transition this has been an incredible podcast but i have one more question for you okay are you happy very happy 
tired, but very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am immensely happy. I say I've got an amazing wife, got an amazing kid, another one on the way next month. So I can't really ask for much more than I'll that. I'll get another little baby soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to quickly mention before we sign off, because we we spoke in the middle of the podcast about like data and stats and feedback and stuff that you measure. One of the things you actually do do is you regularly take bloods because yes. you're speaking to me and Lucy about booking into your yeah. blood lab. Mm-hmm. Why do you do that? Yeah, so I actually uh, invested into, um, it's called the blood lab. Uh, it's like a, a private healthcare clinic. Um, and it's something because the sport can be very taxing on the body. Um, and in general as well, not just uh, for, for athletes, just in general, I think health is so important. And it's something I never really addressed growing up or it was only when I got married and I've had kids and there's other people depend on me now that that became the forefront of it. So health has always been, yeah, especially the last few years, is it really important to me? So I just want to make sure what I'm doing day to day, I'm in a good spot mm-hmm. because like I say, I've got a family to look after and, and yeah, they rely on me. I think like I've spoken to other people about this before and I think for a long time, maybe it was thought that you need to be a bodybuilder to go and get blood work done. Not at all. We've had it done a few times. If I could explain it to anyone in an analogy, you go and get your car MOT'd once a year. Exactly. To find out if there's anything wrong under the hood, even though that visually it might look like there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Same with the way that bloods work. You can actually see what is going on within your body, which at any other point you would never know unless there's something wrong with it and you go to the doctors. 100%. And the thing is as well, there's so much strain on the NHS now that they don't even test for half the things now. I think there's like seven biomarkers they test for on the NHS, whereas you go and do it privately or not, you can test for absolutely everything. And there's even things like food allergies. I've tested for all that because little things would inflame me up and I could never understand any of the effect my, my yeah the way i felt all the time just my day to day and we've corrected that from checking what's in my blood mm-hmm. and yeah i work so much more optimal now and there's only one it's either one in ten or one in seven people who can actually tolerate dairy and again i guess you <sighs> that's crazy it, done it, well we're all like yeah. massive milk drinkers aren't we? i think there's I a big swing in people having almond and oat milk but we yeah. are those people ben, we are those so. people oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, i love an oat milk flat <laughs> white i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but we still have dairy we still have like yogurt yeah. stuff, I'm, well i'll make i'll make amy make her have like calcium like milk yeah. full fat milk i make it because obviously for women for calcium especially yeah. through pregnancy and that yeah i'm yeah i force yogurt everything down. <laughs> well, cheese a lot <laughs> i don't have any of it and <laughs> um, so we're gonna get booked into the blood lab where can yeah. people find more information Fantastic. about that yeah so if you want to check out the bloodlab.co.uk they have all the services on there uh, you can follow them on Instagram, which is the Blood Lab. Um, and yeah, you can you can speak to to Doctor Chris. Like my business partner is an ex NHS doctor mm-hmm. who um, is at the helm of it, and he's offering like say TRT, HRT, IVs, ECGs, echocardiograms, anything to do with your general health. Mm-hmm. So me and Lucy are going to be getting booked in, so we'll, yeah. we'll give you guys some of the feedback from our give own blood and how how fucked up we are. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll just, be healthy. Yeah, no, I think you'll probably be good. good. And well. where can people find more of, of me? Yeah, uh, obviously on social media. So um, Instagram Ryan J Terry. That's kind of my main feed now. Um, YouTube Ryan Terry. I think if you just type me, in, I've been around long enough now yeah. that just Google me. <laughs> Google me. <laughs> Google you'll me. find me. You got to do one last thing for Go us. On, there's always one in there. Where is it? Oh, yeah. <sighs> what are we doing now? So we do on the Not So Fickle podcast a grip tester. Oh, I'll be terrible at this. We've oh, had shit. the world's strongest men do it. We've had Matt Morsey exactly. do it. We've Mate, had Noel I do it. I have just 
But I think Matt got. Can I cheat? How do I cheat? Because Matt pushed it against his leg, but you can't do that. The the highest on the scale. Noel was quite good, to be fair. Yeah, he probably Noel got sixty-seven. So much of that. Yeah. <laughs> thing is, I am. Um, I'm making every excuse on the sun, but I use grips for training because my grip is terrible. <laughs> so this is probably the worst test for me. Yeah, it's, why would you do this um, to me, Ben? You stitch me right up. <laughs> the got, highest we, score is eighty-six. Oh, let me get some sugar in first. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So protein on, on that bar. as well for Ryan starts. Don't use Ryan code for my protein. Use not so <laughs> not fit. Not so fit for yeah. discount on my protein. <laughs> capital R, capital Y, capital A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the highest score is eighty six, and that was obviously what you, you meant to do. So you just squeeze. you pick it up and until that goes to zero. I'll be out. It went off. I need to go. eat, guys. Oh, there we go. And you just yeah, you, you get just three goes anyway. Squeeze. You can have a Tesco first. Ooh. Who got 86? Luke Stoltman? Tom, no, Tom, Tom Stoltman. Stoltman sorry. World's Strongest World's Man. World's Strongest Man, it's obvious. What did, what did you, you get? get 68. That's good. That's really good. So Matt, I think, did Matt get 76? Matt got... No, Matt cheated and got Matt's 76. Was when he went to uh, so we, we've got like a... You remember the Top Gear leaderboards? Yeah. We've got one of them at home, so you'll be going off. But you can have three goes. Also, mate, try your weaker hand, because I was stronger with my weaker hand. If that makes sense, some right. left hand. Is that your like, gammy strength? Thing is now, now I feel like I need a good trainer doing the competitive <laughs> side of it. Like, what? So we got the gammy side then. Yeah. yeah. You have three goes. No way. Is that weaker? Mm. <laughs> uh, 65.1. You got one more go. Do you want to go with your strong hand again? What did you get? 68 on your, your first 68 go? 68 on the other one, Carl's top score. That's good. That Bye. is a good score. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, what did Obi get? Obi got 67. Sixty-four. <laughs> well, yeah, you're gonna. You one more go. These crossfitters. <laughs> uh, go on then. This is what everyone's like. They yeah. start doing it. It'll get weaker out. though. You've got to get weaker. Be, surely. Yeah. You, but but then the competitive side that you've just said you've got it might pull yeah. through for this last go. Come on. Age twenty-five. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <We don't. laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> we set it up? Yeah. Go on then. Yeah. I think you can just press start. So, yeah. Yeah. Matt cheated then. You were Matt. Yeah, we'll Matt's make Matt redo it. It's typical Matt, isn't it? Matt. He did one, I think it was like... Typical Matt. Yeah. What are you trying to imply there, yeah. Ben? Yeah. <laughs> you done, have you done Matt's blood yet? <laughs> <laughs> right. Three, two, one. Go. Come on. Come on. Go, 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 go. This is where we injure Ryan Terry for a show. Now. Oh, <laughs> 71.6. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Big score. Big score. Well wow, done. Wow, Ryan can't see. That was a big score. That was good. Congratulations. You were right, though, that competitive side. You know, inside I was like playing yeah. it down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Thanks for that again, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate No, thank you. you for having me. I appreciate and it. Thank you for everyone who's watched on YouTube and Spotify and listens to the podcast. You're all incredible. Please yeah. do tag us, share it, keep leaving reviews. And again, yeah, yeah thank you. Tag Ryan you. to annoy him as well. Yeah, tag him to piss him off. Yeah. But yeah. yeah please do. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Cheers. Legend.